What's up, everyone? Welcome to Inside the Glass. This is where we take a closer look at how ordinary people do extraordinary things. One in the head, one in the bag, bubbling. Look at the cash, look at the cash coming in. My name's Ryan Gill. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Nealon, the man. What's up? Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. Chris, sometimes we look at people who have amazing jobs. They work at iconic companies and brands. They have cool responsibilities. They fly business class. They hang out with famous people. We wonder, at least I wonder, how did that happen? How did they get that job? That's exactly right. And that's really what today's show is all about. You know, we spent some time talking with Jason White. He's the global head of marketing at Beats by Dre. And uh, to me, he's really the epitome of a person who has learned how to live a life with intention. Yeah. Uh, he dreams big, uh, but he also works his butt off to make sure that those dreams come true. Uh, and my hope would be that everyone who's listening today will take note about how does he stay focused? Uh, how does he get help from professional mentors? And how does he display courage to make some really hard decisions so that good things can happen. This is going to be fun. Let's do this. I wanted to make Nike ads and that came from growing up with sports and as soon as the Michael Jordan commercial came on, I would literally run outside and pick up a basketball. When the Gorilla Tennis ad featuring Sampras and Agassiz came on, I ran outside and me and all the kids were playing tennis in the street, you know. Uh, it, it was just an absolute motivator in my life. And around the age of 12, 13, 14, I realized that's actually a profession as well. So you can go do that. Like I'm, Once I realized I wasn't going to be the athlete, <laughs> I realized I could actually still make the message. And it was really, really a, a lifelong goal to, to get to making Nike ads. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Man, how awesome was that? I remember <laughs> those Jordan ads and uh, I, nobody's done it better since yeah. Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, what I really love, if you've caught what Jason said there in that first little snippet, was he was 12, 12, 13 years old when he decided what he really wanted to do with his career. I know I wasn't thinking about Yeah, what were you thinking at 12? <laughs> Girls. Yes. Yeah. Certainly yeah. not what my uh, my profession, but I, I think one of the themes is we've had the opportunity to interview these extraordinary people uh, in doing these podcasts is that they have a very intentional life. They decide very early on. Uh, what they want to do, and they just have this uh, maybe superhuman ability to just stick with it and to chase that dream. And uh, sometimes, as we'll learn in Jason's case, uh, not everything works out according to plan, but they're constantly uh, reacting, they're reevaluating, and they keep challenging and they, themselves. And they know their unique ability. They know they're made for something special. And I don't think they let anything get in their way least in their mind, and then they manifest that out in their careers. And uh, as we dive into this deeper, you're going to hear more of that. Yep. I went to Georgetown University, and while they had a marketing concentration and even an advertising, couple advertising classes, they were banking and, and diplomats, and it was a different world. And uh, everyone said, 
go to New York, learn package goods marketing, you'll always have a job. You always have a career. And if that's the Proctors and the J&Js and the Marses, all the ones I ended up having as clients. But it was never where I wanted to be. I loved it, but I knew there was a purpose. And that was to get to Widen and Kennedy, get to Portland, Oregon, and get to the brand that touches people with their their purpose and their stories and the way they execute and the way they make you believe that you can do anything athletically. How many people do you and I talk to, particularly entrepreneurs that are kind of racked with indecision? They're not sure if they want to go right or if they want to go left. It kind of reminds me of that scene from Alice in Wonderland where she gets to the crossroads and the Cheshire cat is there and she says something to the effect of which way should I go? And he says, well, if you don't know where you're trying to get, it doesn't really matter which way that you go. Oh, wait, don't go, please. Very well. Third course. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you, but, but I just wanted to ask you which way I ought to go. Well, that depends on where you want to get to. It started as I want to make Nike ads because I just didn't have a clear understanding of the advertising industry, you know. Um, but once I got in the business, I knew what that meant. It meant I wanted to work for Wyden. And the more I was exposed to the work, I realized... Um, just how incredible the Widen brand was, not just the Nike brand. And it became, you know, a passion of mine. And just for the, the benefit of the listeners who may not know this, Wyden Kennedy is one of the largest independently owned advertising agencies in the world. Uh, you know, they're headquartered out of Portland, Oregon, because they're best known for their work with Nike. And uh, Ryan, I know you and I both have a tremendous amount of respect for Dan Wyden and David Kennedy, yeah. the two guys that started that agency uh, several decades ago. I'll never forget. I was in, um, I was working at BBDO, New York, and I was um, managing the M&M Mars account, and we were launching dark chocolate M&Ms with the Star Wars film uh, number six. It's the rise of dark chocolate M&Ms and the birth of the chocolate empire. I was at Skywalker Ranch in San, San Francisco. George Lucas is there dressed as Santa Claus. He's having a Christmas party. It's kids on his lap. It's incredible. I'm walking around. There's lightsabers in cases. There's this stone that burned the guy's hand in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's a, a wall that is all bomber jackets, a book, all books about bomber jackets. And this guy's like, oh, that's how he chose Indy's jacket, right? And I'm like blown away. This, they were driving. Oh, that's where the Millennium Falcon was. That's where they're just saying all these things that are crazy to me. And while it was incredible, I realized I lost sight of what I wanted to do. I didn't want to like sell candy. I wanted to make Nike eyes. This, this is not my Mecca. This is incredible, but this is not my Mecca. My Mecca is about three hours north in Portland, Oregon. And I was gone six months. I left New York. I quit my job. I got a job and I was like, I'm out. Well, you know, if you're listening to this and I don't care whether you're chasing your dream job, maybe you're just trying to lose weight, maybe you're looking to find your, uh, your, your ideal partner, whatever it might be, I want you to think about the dissatisfaction that you're struggling with and really kind of understand where does that come from? You know, I read some research once uh, from people who you know, call themselves quote unquote happiness researchers and they really try to dissect what is it that, uh, that creates our happiness. And there's some interesting facts about connection to other people. There's some uh, interesting facts about uh, dissatisfaction coming from discontentment because we haven't achieved our goals. But I, I say lean into that. You know, I'm reminded of a Thomas Edison quote that says, show me a thoroughly satisfied man and I will show you a failure. 
And if you really think about what he's trying to say there is that we've got to be constantly uh, pushing ourselves and asking ourselves what's next and challenging ourselves to do more. And, and maybe being perfectly content is actually a recipe for disaster, not for success. Chris, you talk about these happiness researchers. I'm pumped. I got to talk to uh, Adam Grant, who's probably the foremost uh, authority on the subject. Oh, man, I know. I, I heard your interview, and I'm so jealous. He's actually one of my professional idols. Uh, he's written two books that have changed my life, a give and take in the originals. And uh, let's listen to what he had to say about this. My, my favorite answer to the happiness question comes from Tim Urban, where he says that happiness is reality minus expectation. I think actually we have a couple decades of, of evidence in psychology that suggests that's true, that the higher your expectations are, the less happy you tend to be because there's always a gap between what you wanted and what you got. Even in something as simple as the job search, uh, when you, you look at students who are, are maximizers, who are looking for the absolute best job, uh, the, the higher their aims are, the more likely they are to get lots of job offers. They end up with 20% higher starting salaries, and they end up less happy than the students who had lower goals. And you know that's because they're, they're creating that gap. Any advice or things that you've helped people through that um, kind of gain perspective? It's worth remembering you know, that if you were to, to imagine all the people who would be worse off if your job didn't exist, uh, if you know, if, if starting to think about who those people are and how they're affected by your work motivates you, then that's something you want to stay in touch with. If it doesn't, then it suggests that it's time to think about small changes you can make to your job to have more of an impact on other people. You know, I first got to Portland and Nike had gone through some changes. Uh, for the first time, Phil Knight had stepped away. And there was a guy that came in named Bill Perez and he was not from Nike. They chose to fill from outside of the company. And, and if I'm honest, it didn't really stick. And I got there right at that time. Now, the upside to that was we had to go present to him. So I had to learn every single Nike I'd ever made. <laughs> and my, my Nike history is almost photographic at this point, Nike knowledge, because of that assignment. And I was like just in the building. But um, the downside to that was I was like, wow, I waited my whole life for this and it's not really that cool. Um, it's not what I hoped it would be. I'm just so impressed with how Jason gave up this lucrative job. He was working with these notable brands, but he just realized it wasn't what his dream was, right? He didn't allow himself to get distracted. He didn't allow himself to kind of get fat and lazy at, at what he was doing. And so many people are disengaged at work now. And I think the science bears this out. And it's because they're coasting and they've stopped chasing something that they were passionate about. And they've kind of just settled for the paycheck. And you touched on that he's intentional. Yes, I agree with that. But I think a nugget of truth for people listening right now as you listen to the story of Jason is that, yeah, he's intentional, but he's doing, he's making decisions. He's uh, making maybe what you might think is rash decisions, but they're working out and he has the big picture. He has where he's going, but you got to keep moving forward. You can't be paralyzed by indecision. There's a woman named Katie Allen. If you're out there listening, I'd love you to pieces forever and ever. And she said, maybe you didn't come here for Nike. Maybe you came here for Wyden and maybe you're looking at it wrong. And all of a sudden I opened my eyes and realized the culture of Wyden and Kennedy was incredible and the people were incredible and the purpose was incredible. And that day forward, I knew I was a Wyden guy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying that. I remember that conversation. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes, uh, life puts us where we need to be. Um, 
and not always where we planned to be. And Jason was a driven guy. He always wanted to work on Nike and that is what he was doing. So achievement unlocked. He was on the top of the mountain. Um, and I just wanted him to fully embrace and see that Wyden Kennedy could unlock for him, you know, with the culture and the people and Wyden's approach. Um, I could see in him that it was pushing him maybe to the, the next great version of himself that he didn't yet know. I've never heard someone say that before, that sometimes life puts us where we need to be, not where we want to be. And did you feel that for him at the time when he kind of came in there? You said he had those eyes like, I'm, I've never been to, I'm in Portland now. Yeah, I think he came in and it, there was no doubt about it that you knew that he was there to work on Nike. Um, he had shared that that was a dream of his. Um, and you could just tell, you know, he was a big, <laughs> my first impression, like this big New York account executive who wanted to be doing the best work of his life. And he knew that was Nike work at Wyden. Uh, and then he got there. And, you know, I think as we grow, then you realize, wow, I'm in, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Why am I here? Who are these people? Um, and how's that going to shift the rest of my life? And how did your impression change from first meeting him to over the course of years working with him? I don't know if it changed as much as it softened. Um, he was every bit as sort of talented as I expected and his passion was contagious. I, I don't think I expected to have as much in common with him as we did and still do. So I would say that, you know, you mentioned that comment to him that we just quoted, or he just said on the podcast, what was his reaction? Uh, I remember that he was quiet. Uh, he usually is when he hears something that sort of shifts him. I've had a lot of Jason Ilock moments, so it was just a moment where he might have seen that there was maybe, in fact, a lot more mountaintops to conquer. For those young Jasons out there listening to the podcast today, Katie, how do you feel like Jason reacted that other people should, if you could give someone a piece of advice? Make decisions based on how you want to live your life, not necessarily um, what your resume looks like. Yeah, that was awesome. Katie's great. And if you're paying attention, you know, that was Jason's second big pivot. Uh, first, he had this courage to quit the job that he had at M&M's so that he could find his way to his dream job, allegedly working at uh, Nike in Portland. And then he gets there and it wasn't what he had hoped it would be. Uh, and rather than kind of give up or worse, settle for something that was less than his dream, uh, he kept his head on the swivel and he kept looking for new opportunities and something great's about to happen for him. I looked around Wyden Kennedy and I saw it was pretty top heavy and no one was going to leave because why would you leave? It was Wyden Kennedy and it's in Portland. Where are you going to go? It's the only game in town, you know? And at the same time, I had heard that there was, we had just won the business in China. It was October, 2005. They had essentially three years till the Beijing Olympics. And I had heard that just do it didn't really exist in China and there was no sport culture in China. So, and they were looking for someone to go there and help open that office and help get Nike ready as a client, help the client get ready for the Beijing Olympics. And in my mind, I'm like, wait, so you're basically asking me to go back to 1987 and have the time of my life. Like, go, go launch, just do it and go build a sport community. I was like, I raised my hand once and they're like, no, you just got here. Like, you're great, but we need someone who really gets us and has the DNA. I raised my hand again and they're like, no, you're doing great, but like, stay here. And then, you know, there was a couple mistakes made in the marketplace. It became more urgent to, to send someone. And they came back and said, hey, do you still want to go? I said, absolutely. They said, well, go check it out. Get on a plane and check it out. And I signed a lease on that trip. And I came back. And I wrote Dave Lore, and if you're listening, Dave Lore, I love you, I love you forever. 
And I said, if you don't send me now that I've said this to you, that's on you. It used to be on me, but now it's on you. I was like, I can do this job. I know I can do this job. And I don't think five weeks later, I lived in China. We caught up with David Lohr, who was the president of Wyden Kennedy, Chris, during the time that Jason was there. It's a very fun interview. Let's uh, listen in. Do you remember when, how he basically begged you to let him go run the office in China? I do. I mean, I, the, the thing is, Jason had a really important job in Portland running Nike. So, uh, and he was doing a really good job on it. And he was really well-liked by the client, well-liked internally, which is hard to do. So when you have something that's going well on a, on a very important piece of business, you don't really want to change it. So um, China was important, but the Portland job was critically important. So it's like, okay, Jason, yeah, I'd love to have you go to, to, to China. And that's an important job, but the job you have right now is critically important. So I kind of needed him there. So uh, I didn't want to send him. He wanted to go. I didn't want to send him. So I hired some people from the outside, and and Jay, those people struggled a bit. Um, in fact, they struggled a lot, and they didn't really understand our culture. They didn't really understand what Nike was all about, and it, it, it you know it was a job well far away from Portland. And it just didn't work out. So once I made a change, that was the time that he just came out with a vengeance. And it's like, Lure, I want this job. Lure, I want this job. And uh, at that point, I gave it to him. And I love you mentioned culture fit. And what, what made him such a good fit, White and Kennedy? And how did you know he would uh, build that culture there in China? Well, for us, especially when I hired him early on, you know, he, he was a very, he was great because he, he knew the ad business. I liked a lot of things about him, but he was also, you know, he, he understood athletics. He understood sport. And that was critically important. And, you know, he was, he, he loved uh, the culture of White and Kennedy and loved the culture of, of Nike. And in many ways, those two cultures are very similar because Nike was our first client and it really defined who this agency is. What are some good memories that you had outside of this China thing? I would say my best memories of Jason are he is part business exec, part friend, part preacher. Um, and I don't mean that religiously. I just mean that from an inspiration standpoint. He, he was able to build a flock and get that flock moving in one direction. And, uh, and you know, that's invaluable because one person can't do everything. You have to have a group and you have to have a team. And he was just awesome at doing that. For those listening, following Jason's path, how do you go from business exec to friend to evangelist preacher? Well, I think he was born that way. But the great thing about it, a lot of people are born with similar traits and then they let business suck out that energy from them. And Jason never did that. He always had stamina. He always had resilience. And I've seen too many people, you know, lose hope and lose vision. And Jason never did that. He was a man with a goal and stuck to it. You know, he would fight through walls. He was, he was awesome that way. So I would just say, you know, know where you're going, set a goal, set an objective, and not let anything get in your way. Just go. Now let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Communo. It's the way that work should work. It's time for work to get better, faster, easier, funner. Take a look 
It's time for Communo, the community made by marketing freaks for marketing freaks. No clients allowed, just us. If you're good at what you do and you want to do more of it, then join us. We made it easy, which is the total opposite of hard. How does it work? Say you're an agency owner and you're swamped. You need a writer or a designer or a videographer or whatever. Or say you're a writer or a strategist or a social media manager and you need a gig. Communo helps you two hook up, but not like Tinder. That's gross. We help you find a match and then get out of the way. Plus, we make sure Communo is loser-free because we've had everyone who applies. For agency owners, it's the low-risk way to grow your business without increasing your overhead or stress. And for solopreneurs who have mastered your craft but struggle to find projects on your terms, it's totally your thing. It's what the kids call a win-win. And we like to call... Well, we call it a win-win, too. It's how the sharing economy makes marketing services sharier. Communo, the way work should work. Welcome back to Inside the Glass, where we're telling the amazing, remarkable story of Jason White. Yeah, you know, I think Nike was like a 200... $300 million brand in, in 2005, 2006. And by the time we got to the Olympics, it was like $1.2 billion brand. And they were opening like a store a day, like all over the country. Like it was, it was insane what they were doing. And um, to see China change, to see Shanghai change, to see Nike change, and then to also build a widening Kennedy. It was like, it was for me, the greatest joy of my career was, was that time in China. So Ryan, here's Jason. He's having the time of his life in China, but it really kind of begs the question, how did he end up there? You know, a lot of that I think has to do with his self-awareness, but it also has to do with the role of mentors and the way that uh, some specific people had a huge impact on his life. And I'd ask our listeners, you know, do you have people in your life that you can trust to be brutally honest with you, (laughs) that you can trust, have your best interest at at heart, can give you some tough love and can give you some sage advice? I I think professional mentors play a huge role or could play a huge role if we we sought them out and allowed them to. And let's listen to how Jason got some uh, advice from them. I I have been so blessed to be handed from mostly female mentors and um, starting with, you know, Morgan Flatley, CMO of McDonald's. She was an account executive when I was an assistant account executive. We shared an office together for two years. Okay. I heard every single phone conversation she had. It was like getting double the hours for the same amount of hours of learning and hearing. I listened to her, how she approached good news, how she approached bad news. And she taught me every step of the way. Um, and then she went off to Harvard Business School and then she went off to Gatorade and she, you know, became the Morgan Flatley that we always knew she'd become. And, but even then she would be like, come to Harvard with me. I was like, I can't just go to Harvard with you. <laughs> There's a couple steps involved to achieve that. <laughs> Welcome to McDonald's WebEx. Enter your access code or meeting number followed by pound. Hello. Hi, it's Morgan. Morgan, it's Ryan Gill. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Good, nice to talk to you. Yeah. Where did you and Jason actually work together? What 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 agency was it? Yeah, Jason, we worked together at uh, Saatchi and Saatchi in New York. 
What was your first impression of him? If you can think back all those years, what was, is there something particular that stood out to you? You know, he always was so energized and, and loved marketing and creativity and culture. Like I think Jason, those are like three of the things that he was always kind of circling around was, you know, the business side of marketing, creativity and culture. And he always really knew what he wanted you know, he was always so motivated by, I think, marketing, the marketing side of the business. What was it like to teach and mentor him? We just have always, like, had this great, very, very real relationship where, in a second, he and I can get to the heart of whatever's on either of our minds um, and kind of help each other through it, is what I've seen, you know, even reliding all the way back 20 some odd years ago when we worked together to conversation I had with him two weeks ago about, you know, our teams and structure and how we're both thinking about it. Um, we have this unwritten, maybe like this natural dialogue where we get to things really quickly. And, and I think one of Jason's things is he's so direct and open that, you know, we talk about it all very openly and push back and challenge one another. And maybe it's just because we have such a long history if you were giving um, our listeners uh, on the podcast advice about professional mentorship outside of what we said, what have you seen that has worked and what hasn't worked? The best mentor-mentee relationships I've had are the ones that are actually grounded in authenticity um, and people can truly be themselves and also that go both ways. I think that's part of what's special for me and Jason. Um, you know, I've called him every time I've changed jobs before I took this job at McDonald's, I had dinner with him. Um, so, so it's very mutual. Right. Um, and that's what makes it, it's so easy. You know, from there, uh, had some great leaders. Uh, well, I went to BBDO and Susan Cradle, who is a you know legend in this business? She was at the time the creative director on M and M's, and she was the one that had totally reinvigorated the brand. And she just taught me. It's funny. Susan was the first time I was more scared of my CD than I was of my client, so I would try harder to sell the work. She just taught me how to like go back and do better. This work deserves better of you, and. I, I I adopted that on my own and of my own self and being and, and mindset, and it's it's really been been a, a real guidance for me. And then from there, I went to Widener Kennedy, where Rebecca Van Dyke picked up the torch willingly. Who she went on to be the CMO of Levi's. She was a big dog at Apple. She's now then she went to Facebook. Now she's the CMO of Oculus. I mean, she had an incredible career, and she just took me right in. You know, I interviewed with her. And she said, um, originally I was supposed to be interviewing for a different job because P&G and Nike were going to work together for the first time. I'm sorry, P&G and Wyden. So there was a switcheroo. In the, literally while I'm on my flight, they decide, let's take a, a Wyden person and put them on P&G because that's the experiment. So this new guy coming in, let's have him interview on Nike. Little do they know this is my lifelong dream, right? But I'm talking, I'm sitting to in front of um, Rebecca Van Dyke. And she's looking at my resume and it's like Proctor, Proctor, Eminem, and she just flips the resume over. And she's like, what? Why are we talking? Tell me about you because I don't see Nike on this resume. I don't see a, a white and Nike guy on this resume. And I was like, I'm so passionate about music. I'm so passionate about sport. 
uh, I live it, I breathe it, and I want it. I've loved Nike forever. I want to be a part of telling this story. And I kind of was at this moment, and I was like, she wasn't buying it. And I was like, you know, um, for example, I said last week I was at the beach, and my friends and I were trying to figure out which artists would field our would be our starting baseball team. And I saw this like twinkle in her eye, like she started trying to figure it out. And I was said, you know what, Jason, jump, jump right now, otherwise you may not ever get this chance again. And I just rattled it off. I was like, first base, Biggie. Throw your hands in the air if you's a true player. Tupac, shortstop. Tupac. Catcher, Johnny Cash. Ring of fire. Center fielder, Bono. And I just went. And she goes, that's a really good team. <laughs> and we had this great conversation. All of a sudden, hey, can you stick around? There's a couple of the people I want you to meet. And da, da, da. I fly back to New York. I, I burn a CD because that was when CDs were being burned. And I go on PowerPoint, not even PowerPoint. I don't know what it was called. And I make a baseball diamond. I put all the names on them. I burn a CD of all my favorite songs by those artists. I FedEx it to her. And the note says, I want to play on your team. And we are best, we're like best buds ever since. And she's always looked out for me, even when she sent me to China and then left and went to Levi's or Apple or Apple, I guess. And she always checked in on me. She's always been a, a mentor. She's always like, she knows where I am, where my head is. What's my next move? In 2014, Jason joined Beats by Dre as their vice president of marketing. He spent two years building their business across China, Japan, the UK, France, even the US. He oversaw the LeBron James Return to Cleveland re-established campaign in 2014 and the highly acclaimed Straight Outta Compton campaign in 2016. He's now the global head of marketing and overseeing all brand activity for Beats by Dre. Now you've landed at Beats by Dre. What has it been like since you landed there? And what, you know, what is the journey to get there? And what has it been like getting there? Has it been everything you've thought of or dreamed of? It's been pretty special. And it's been special because, you know, you spend a career chasing things like Nike and sport. And then you, you know, pivot into working on music projects. You get to work on projects that touch culture in all these different ways. And then, you know, you end up one getting a chance to go client side and experience a whole other side of the business. But two, you get to go client side at the place where music, sport, culture, fashion, streetwear, where it all aligns and it all becomes your daily existence. And that's a dream come true because that's that's what I've been, you know, striving for my entire career to bring all those things into existence and into my life and my purpose because it's the things that I care so deeply about. Yeah. And do you ever stop and look back at your career, Jason? Like, do you have a habit of maybe for our listeners that look up to you? And I know there's a lot of people that do younger people that are just starting their careers out, or maybe even people in the middle of their careers looking to restart. Um, do you look back on your, like look backwards and measure backwards and say, man, I, I I'm proud of where I, you know, I, I, I did what I set out to do, or are you still striving? I'm definitely someone who's who brings all those relationships and, and, and is so grateful for all the things that have that have happened in my career. But I don't look backwards. It's really about what's next and it's really much it's it's about um, you know, how do you constantly 
take another step forward. And I think I think that the, the person who I most admire for that skill set is, is Jimmy Iovine. He he never celebrates the victories, and he's had a lot of victories. Um, he just looks towards that next agenda item, and it's usually even bigger than the last one. And I think coming to Beats, where there was so much to celebrate because they were so successful already by the time I got there, I was you know so impressed by their focus on what's next and never really looking back. Thanks a lot, Jason, and uh, really uh, enjoyed chatting with you. Ryan, thank you so much. And yeah. again, congratulations on such an amazing, amazing event. And uh, I hope to see you this year. We guys like you make it happen, so thanks. You've been Inside the Glass with me, your host, Ryan Gill, and my amazing co-host, Chris Nealon. This podcast was spawned by the remarkable stories and relationships Chris and I have forged at the gathering in Banff, Alberta, Canada. It's a marketing summit and business summit bringing together the biggest, brightest, but most important, the most courageous brands in the world. Special thanks to Jason White for letting us tell his remarkable story. It's been great getting to know you, Jason. I know our listeners loved your story. Thanks also to our contributors, Dr. Adam Grant, Katie Allen from Nike, David Lohr from Wyden Kennedy, Morgan Flatley at McDonald's. Join us for another exciting episode of Inside the Glass where we'll introduce you to and you'll get to know another ordinary person with a remarkable story. Also, for more information on how to be part of the gathering, you can visit us at www.cultgathering.com. Again, that's www.cultgathering.com. This podcast was produced by Ryan Gill, Chris Neeland, Daryl Swart, Adam Gill, and Jason Graham. This production was recorded, edited, mixed, and mastered by Daryl Swart at Park Hill Studios in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Original music, courtesy of Wormpoo. And thanks to our sponsor, Communo, for making this podcast possible. 